Welcome to High Performance Mindset with Dr. Sindra Kampoff. Do you want to reach your full potential, live a life of passion, go after your dreams? Each week, we bring you strategies and interviews to help you ignite your mindset. Let's bring on Sindra. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. This is your host, Dr. Sindra Kampoff, and thank you so much for joining me here today, ready to listen to episode 267 with Dr. Jerry Lynch. Now, if you know that mindset is essential to your success, then this is the podcast for you. And thank you so much for joining me. My name is Sindra, and I am a certified mental performance consultant, speaker, and author. And today's episode, I had a delightful conversation with Dr. Jerry Lynch. I read one of his books uh, several years ago, studied it page by page, and it was just an amazing conversation to have with Dr. Jerry Lynch today. So let me tell you about Jerry Lynch. While most people would consider him simply a sports psychologist, he considers himself a coach, a mentor, and teacher who guides and coaches athletes and parents to explore the meaning and purpose of sport. Now, Dr. Lynch has a deep calling, one where his success is not measured by making a living, but rather by making a difference. And I think you're going to be able to tell that in today's conversation. Jerry is the author of 13 books and in as many as 10 languages. He is the founder and director of Way of Champions, a performance consulting group geared towards helping others master the inner game. He also maintains a private practice and does extensive consultation with coaches, athletes, parents, and performers all around the world. So several of his clients have participated in the Summer and Winter Olympic Games. And in this conversation, we talk about his most recent consultation with Steve Kerr, the head coach of the world champion Golden State Warriors. So in the past 30 years alone, he's been a part of 54 Final Fours and 36 National Championships at both the collegiate and professional level. And in this conversation, Jerry and I talk about the things that he's learned from some of the world's best leaders and coaches. We talk about his river acronym, which really represents our human needs, um, how we can actually each win the day. He talks about why leadership is really a relationship game. And then we talk about three strategies to build others up and three reflection questions he suggests that we ask ourselves. My favorite part of this interview is when we talk about love and how we might not think love really fits with sport, but he says, quote, love is magical. And when you feel love, anything is possible. All right, without further ado, let's bring on Jerry. Welcome to the High Performance Mindset Podcast. I'm really excited today to welcome Dr. Jerry Lynch, one of the people I've been following for a long time. I have several of his books, one uh, in front of me right here that I've read front to back, Jerry, uh, called Dancing Body or Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. So Jerry, I'm really excited to, to welcome you to the podcast. I am so honored and, and privileged, uh, Sindra, to, to be uh, asked to come and speak with you. That, that means so much to me. And uh, that book that you just held up, uh, this morning I was talking with my co-author, actually. He's in China, and we're getting together in November to celebrate the 30th anniversary of that book. So, wow, I can't believe it's been 30 years. I um, can't I, believe it. Yeah, I've been, I found it to be fascinating and really helped me inform my work in the field. And so... I'm grateful for all the work that you've been doing, and sometimes you don't even know the, the impact that you're making, I think, you know, until 
times like this when you know that practitioners who are doing the work are reading your work and it's informing what they do. So I'm grateful for the work that you've been doing. That brings uh, chills to me when you say that. I, I'm, I'm so blessed. Thank you. Thank you. So Jerry, tell us a little bit about how you came into the field and your development of your philosophy in the field. I came into the field at the age of four. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) I didn't want to prepare anything, right? Um, (laughs) But uh, I did. I've always been a gym rat. Uh, From the time I'm four or five years old, I remember my brother bringing me to the gym. And I remember the dust and the smell of the gym. And I always felt comfortable there. And I have great memories about being in gymnasiums. And, uh, you know, up through high school, playing three sports. So I always really related well to people in athletics. I I get it. I understand the language and I understand the cultures. And so when I I got into psychology, uh, it was pretty generalized into a clinical format. And uh, I got my doctorate, my PhD. And actually, uh, when I finished, I dropped out. And uh, I dropped out of my profession for three years because... I didn't love it. Okay. I liked it, but I didn't love it. And uh, I have a rule of thumb in my life, and I pass this on to my four kids, which is, um, you know, there's only one mistake you can make in life, and that is to not follow your heart. And my heart wasn't into it. And I decided that uh, I'm just going to wait. And uh, I picked up some menial jobs with a PhD, you know, waiting tables and things like that. And I did that for a few years. And, uh, I read a Sports Illustrated article, and on the cover, it said, Shrink of the Drink. Shrink of the Drink. Yes, that was the title of it, actually. And uh, what that was, was it was somebody in the University of Iowa. His name was Gene Gorin, who has passed, long past since now. And Gene Gorin was a psychologist at the university. And he was, this is way before, like, sports psychology became popular, right? And he was helping the swim team. So that's the drink in the pool ah. to perform at higher levels. So it was the shrink of the drink. And I, I read that thing and I said, oh, wow, OMG. Uh, I contacted, this is before cell phones, internet and everything else. And I got on the phone to the department and I called him and he said, oh, I was in Boulder at the time. He said, I'll be out to Boulder. Uh, I'm having a conference there in three weeks. Let's meet face to face. And that was the beginning. Wonderful. And I was sold. I was sold at that point. And then one thing led to another. And, uh, you know, I started getting connected with different people and uh, reaching out and constantly networking and finding out how I can help people. And it it all came from a place of wanting to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was frightened about making a living because I was told you wouldn't be able to make a living as a sports psychologist. Uh, But I said, you know what? It's just fun. I love it. And I'm making a difference, so I'm going to keep doing it. Yes. And I did, and I'm happy to say that, yeah, I did make a nice living and, and uh, continue to, but I continue to make a difference. And that's why, that's why I do it. And that's why it's so important for other psychologists out there to realize that mm-hmm. if you're going to do this work, you've got to want to help people. I mean, really help people and put aside everything else and just make that difference and change the status quo, which is what we're all doing. Absolutely. And I know that you can make a living in this field. I think that's one of my pet peeves when people say that you can't. It takes a lot of hard work, but obviously you've been doing that 
phenomenally for many years. So uh, Jerry, was your training then in, in clinical psychology or tell us about what your training was in and then how you sort of developed uh, this approach that you have now in terms of working with the teams and clients that you work oh, with? Boy, uh, you asked such amazing global pertinent questions. Uh, we're not going to have enough time, are we? I know, maybe not. <laughs> we'll have to have you on for a second time. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm or third. To be continued, right? Right. Uh, yeah, so um, my basic background formally, I mean, in, in psychology was uh, I did a lot of clinical work. So I have a dual degree in psychology, and the dual degree is partial clinic and partial school because I, I couldn't make up my mind what I wanted to do. I wound up doing neither, but uh, so I wanted to make sure I had both going on so I could walk into a school district and say, you know what, I, I, can, serve, I can serve this population, or I could set up a private practice, or I could go into a, a, a mental health center and say, I can serve your population. Uh, but then I realized when, once I got out there the first year, uh, I, after the first year I dropped out because uh, it wasn't me, it wasn't my okay. love and I didn't have passion for it. So I went into my training mode of uh, running and, and competing, got back into that and, and uh, that just reignited my passion and my love for, for being around athletes and, 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 and the whole scene, everything, everything about it. And uh, I was a international competitive distance runner. I was sponsored by Nike and uh, I did that for as long as I could and then uh, had to get, uh, I guess, serious about a profession. And I, that's when I read that article and I realized, okay, I can get back into this on in this way. So I did all, I just read like a crazy person, just kept reading and reading and, and talking to people and learning. Uh, and then I went back and did some studying in different places. I, I've, I've done some work with, uh, these different cultures and philosophies. And I started to see in my own running that, uh, mm -hmm. for instance, the Tao, the Tao Te Ching says, one of the passages in the Tao Te Ching says, we lose yet in this way win. And that was written 2,500 years ago. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, you know what? I just lost that race, but I learned so much from it. I'm a better runner because of it and a better competitor. I guess that's what they meant. You lose, but yet in this way win. And sure enough, the philosophy of, of the Tao and Buddhist thought just jumped off the pages at me. And I said, I could help people really understand this stuff. And I can trans get, get it translated so that we can use it for, for, Eastern, for Western uh, sports. And that's how that came about. And, you know, very, very fortunately, uh, you know, I moved to Boulder, Colorado, and uh, started training there. And uh, I met a wonderful man. Uh, John Visveda, who was a professor of uh, Chinese philosophy. Uh, we, we would go for five-hour runs, picking berries off the bushes like the Taoist, uh, observing the water streams and, and the high country. Wow. Okay, so I'm getting a little romantic with this, but, but this is really what feeds me, and, and, and this is what created this deep passion, because mm. I was really deeply connected to it personally. And then uh, along the way, I wrote to this wonderful man, Jungliang Ao Wang, and he's, he's well known in his own right. And uh, he was very close friends of Joseph Campbell. Okay. Uh, very close with uh, Alan Watts. 
And uh, so I wrote to him and I said, I have this idea for a book. Uh, tell me if I'm crazy and shoot holes through it, right? And this guy's an expert. And he got back to me in four days and he said, Jerry, he said, your, your concept, your idea for this book is brilliant. He knocked the socks off me. I get tears in my eyes. Just thinking about that, 31 years ago, telling me that I had a brilliant idea. Um, <laughs> never thought of my ideas as being brilliant. And one thing led to another, and it was he, I wrote the book, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. I wrote the book, he did the calligraphy, and he hooked me up with amazing publisher, Bantam Books. And once that book was launched, my life changed forever. Mm. And it was that book that you held up. That was my third book. I had published two books without him, but that was my third book. We went on to write six books together. And uh, wow. I want to write several more. I now have like 13 books in more than 12 languages. And uh, that book was just, that's why I am where I'm at right now. And, uh, you know, I hear stories that you're telling me uh, often. And it, it's so it's so humbling and, and reassuring that I'm on the right path. And it, it drives me to continue to, to make a significant difference in people's lives where I can. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I think this approach that I'm hearing is that is really informed by Eastern thought. And when I read the book, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind, that's also what I took from it. You know, that maybe this less traditional way of being informed and thinking about maybe mindset from a different perspective. So how would you give somebody who isn't familiar with that approach, like how would you describe it to them? And how do you think that informs the way that you do the work? Uh, okay, let's, let's start 30 years ago, because I've been at this for over 45 years. So 30 years ago, I got introduced to a team and a coach asked me if I would be willing to work with them. Well, I was kind of hesitant because it was all new to me. And uh, I really truly didn't know what I was doing. I wonder sometimes today if I do, but I think I do. But back then I certainly didn't know what I was doing, but I gave it a shot and I gave it all my all and my heart. And we wound up winning a national championship. And uh, I was, it, was, it was like, yeah. <laughs> or this, you know? And uh, so one thing, one thing led to another. Since then, I've been with 115 championship teams and I've learned a lot and a ton. So what I do is I, I learn what I need to know so that I can go back and teach you what you need to know in order okay. to do the work that you wish to do, which is to make a difference in the lives of these people. I quickly began to see that working with teams was no different than me being a father with four children working with that team. Hmm. And, and, and what I wanted to do, my, my most important work is my family. And, and it is truly, uh, if, if, if I screw up with my family, then all those books I'm writing are a sham, you know, they, they're meaningless really, if I can't do it in my own life. So, so I'm looking at my family, I'm looking at that as an organization, I'm looking at it as a team, and I thought, wow, if I can create a functional team at home, maybe I can create a functional team on the basketball court or on the pitch or in the pool or wherever it is. And uh, so I start to see the, the parallel between that. 
Now I'm going off on the tangent, but I've got a point here. And that is anyone, to your point, anyone out there that's interested in, in the work I'm doing, this latest book that I just published, it just came out this week, Sindra. It's called Win the Day. And the subtitle is The Ultimate Coach's Guide to Building and Sustaining a Championship Culture. And I've got 12 Hall of Fame coaches there. Steve Kerr at the Warriors knows something about winning from the Bulls, San Antonio Spurs to the the Oakland team, the uh, Golden State Warriors. He writes a forward to that book that's just astounding in terms of his journey and what he's learning. I really, I really encourage people to look at that book because it honestly, I could, I could retire now, which I'm not going to do. But if I retired and I handed that book into anyone that has the question, how do I do this work? And how, and that's to your point. And how do I get this stuff done? You read that book. It's a template. It's like I bared my soul in that book. That's my heart and soul. It really mm-hmm. is. It's probably my, my best book because it's totally from my heart. It's not other people's stories. It's my story based on live experiences from these 12 Hall of Fame coaches like Steve Kerr, Anson Durance, who I worked with at Carolina, won 22 national championships. Cindy Timshall, who won eight national championships. You know, I, I have an interview in there with Pete Carroll, with Brad Stevens for the Boston Celtics, Bill Walsh going back with the 49ers, on and on and on. It, it's, it's a Hall of Fame. And, and what I've done is I've taken all of their ideas that are related to the work that I'm doing, and I brought them together, and, and that's the template. And basically, I say, if you're interested in doing anything like I've done, you have a, you have a book now. You don't need me. And you can do that. And uh, you're not going to have the same style as I, I do. You're going to have your style. And that's what's beautiful. And you can take that book right now. And I give everyone permission to take that and to really discover what the cutting edge is all about and what great coaching is all about and how it all boils down to the relationship game. Ah. And that relationship game is what all the great coaches are talking about these days. Mm Because the only way to win the basketball game is to win the relationship game. Mm. Uh, If, uh, if you don't have that relationship with others, then nothing happens and uh, truly nothing happens. And, and whether you're a corporate CEO or whether you're a leader of a church group, or you're a professor or a, a, an athletic director, you need to know this. You need to know what I've learned because it's not Jerry giving, I'm not giving you Jerry. I'm, give, I'm, I'm like a, uh, I tell people I'm like a hole in a flute, you know? And the breath of these great coaches and the breath of these wise people, even from 2000 years ago, from the philosophies that I, I lean on, that breath is coming through me and my, the hole opens up and then that's what you get. Okay. Love it. I'm, I'm not at all unaware of the fact that uh, these brilliant ideas in this book are not Jerry Lynch. Basically it's Jerry Lynch gathering this stuff and, and 
I've used them. And, and ah. Well, you know, the one thing I'm going to do after we get off the interview is go buy that book. <laughs> Win the day. It sounds amazing. So tell us a bit more, Jerry, what, what you're saying in terms of, what did you learn from them in terms of the relationship game? Tell us about the kinds of relationships that these, you know, high level of coaches have developed and, and you, about I, how they developed them. Yeah, I, I, what a great question. Uh, it's so relevant. Gosh, I, I love I love what you're asking, and, and 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 the thing is that these coaches are all telling me. I mean, they 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 hire me in to work. Like I I work with Steve because he knows that I have something to offer him. But meanwhile, I'm all ears and learning from him. For, let me give you a, just a quick example. Uh, like one time I was at a game and uh, he was talking to uh, Steph Curry on the sideline. And I'm listening intently with all the noise and everything else. And, and I see him give Steph a, a pat on the butt. And, and Steph goes into the game. And the last words out of Steve's mouth is, uh, I love you, big guy. Awesome. Now, let's use that as a launching pad. Wow. The greatest success strategy of all time in building relationships is love. No question. When, when the great iconic coach, John Wooden, was retiring from UCLA basketball after 10 national championships, everyone shoved a mic in his face and they couldn't wait to get an answer to the question. So coach, what do you attribute your success to? And he said, guys, it's not gonna take long for me to tell you that. It's real simple. I had a lot of love in my coaching. And uh, if you just hold on for a second in our unconventional way of doing these podcasts, this is the book that I'm talking about. Love it. This Steve on the cover. Jerry's showing it to me. It's, be it's beautiful. I thank you so much. I, like I said, my heart is into this book. But Steve, uh, Steve is one coach, but let's get back to the, your question, which is, Brilliant. Uh, I'm going to talk. I'm going to turn to page 212. And in 212, it's love, the greatest success strategy of all. And there's a quote. It opens. I open up every chapter with a quote. And this is Phil Jackson, who's a friend of mine. I've had relationship with him over many years. And it says here, it takes a number of critical factors to win an NBA championship: talent, creativity, intelligence, toughness, and luck. Mm -hmm. But if a team doesn't have the most essential ingredient, love, none of those factors matter. And, and so love, you know, this book here, it's about connection. It's about caring. It's about unity, closeness, giving. And, and as you know, in your personal life, love is magical. When you're loved, the world's your oyster. When you feel loved, anything's possible. And this is true of athletes. And it's a question of honoring them, respecting them, communicating with them, listening with them. So the relationship game, what I do in this book is I teach the specific strategies that are successful with these coaches that I have learned in my own life and my own coaching and by the way, I'm only halfway there. You know what I'm saying? Right? I mean, I got a ton to learn. 
about this relationship game. But I, I didn't want to wait till the end. I wanted to do this now. <laughs> it's Absolutely. enough. It's enough. Yes. I have enough in here. And, and so this idea of, of love, it's not a, a romantic idea of love. It's okay. the capacity, it's the okay. capacity to open up and be present and be available and be vulnerable. Right. You know, to be vulnerable, to, to show up and be seen and mm. be real and authentic and genuine. That's Steve Kerr. That's Anson. That's, that's Dean Smith. That's Pete Carroll. I mean, that's who they are. And, and, and we can be that way. It's a choice. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something we can control. And in this book, Win the Day, I invite coaches to win the day, not win the game. Ah. You can win the day. And you win the day by creating this relationship game. Because look, in this book, I talk about the river effect. And the river <laughs> is an acronym that I made up because I love the river. You know, the Tao is the watercourse way. You know, you follow the water, it's flowing. You're not forcing and pushing and making something happen. You know, as a sports psychologist, you don't go in and force and push yourself on people and tell them you have the answers. You go in, you, you blend in with what's going on there and you offer your heart and you open up and people start to listen because when people feel the river, I'm going to marinate you in the river right now, okay? Okay. What does river stand for, Jerry? That's exactly what we want to come to. So I'm going to marinate Sindra in the river. I'm going to bathe you there. I'm going to baptize you in the river. And the river stands for when I work to make you feel relevant, R, uh-huh. I okay. is you feel important, mm. B is you feel valued, E is you feel empowered, and R is you feel respected. Sindra, here's my question to you. When you feel relevant, important, valued, empowered, and respected, what are you willing to do for me? And the t- um, anything, any, ah, everything, you know? Right? Right? Especially if I'm feeling that from a coach or a leader, if I'm feeling that from my teammates, even as I'm thinking, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about my parenting, right? I know you wrote a, another book, Let Them Play, about the power and the joy of parenting. So I'm applying it to that as well. Right, exactly. So what you just said is spot on. So when I, when I walk into a room, like the San Jose Earthquakes, the uh, it's an MLS soccer team. Okay. When I walk into that room, I have athletes in there from seven different cultures, seven different countries around the world speaking different languages. I can't communicate in English to all of them, but what I can do is communicate with my heart. Absolutely. And when they feel, which they do, when they feel the river, and I go out of, out of my, my head and into my heart, yes. and I just stay there, they can feel the connection, the caring, the love. And guess what? Just like you said, when they're feeling mm-hmm. that way, they're going to go the distance. Yes. They're going to work harder. They're going to be more loyal. And a whole host of other things will happen. And that's true of you and me and anyone listening to this podcast. It's think about your life when your feeling equals function. You function at a high level when you, when you feel fantastic. 
Mm. And it's up to the coach. You know, I'll walk into that room. Uh, next week, my conference in Denver will have over 100 coaches from four different continents. I'll walk into that room and they're going to feel who I am. They're not going to hear what I'm saying. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's not important. What you say and what you do, people will forget, but they will never, ever, ever forget how you make them feel. Mm. And when they feel that way, their function is much higher. Mm. So Jerry, what about the coaches who are saying, yeah, that sounds really good, right? The, the river and be relevant, important, valued, empowered, respected. Yeah. My guess is that some of them are saying, well, how do I do that? You know, what do you see that the best do besides the way that you just kind of describe, like they show up from their heart instead of their head, which I think can be really difficult for some people because, oh, yeah. Yeah. you know, I'm being so vulnerable big. is what you, in one word you said, I think it's difficult for leaders to be vulnerable. So how, what's a way that you might start? And then, you know, like, what do you see the best of the best do? Okay. So again, I want to make it real clear to those people listening here. I do not need to sell another book in my life. I have sold more than I ever need. I don't need another job. I don't need more work. I got plenty yes. of that stuff. I'm telling you that in this yeah. book, I, I, I bore my heart. I, that question is answered. This book is filled with techniques and strategies. Awesome. To help you become vulnerable, to be more genuine and to be, there's a whole chapter on authenticity, how to be more authentic. It's not what you're going to do when you walk into that team. It's how you're going to be. And my suggestion, real loud and clearly, is you've got to be yourself and you've got to embrace, you've got to love yourself first. Mm. While you're at it, love yourself because if you don't, there's no way in, in this world you're going to be able to demonstrate love to other people. So what we do is we, we look at these strategies and, and I'll give you an example and then people can decide whether they want to go further or not. Perfect. Specifically strategies, what I do is I use the rule of one. This is just one example of many in the book. The rule of one is this. I tell coaches, if you want to establish that relationship game, then what you do is in the beginning, one day, one athlete, one comment. Today, you're my athlete. Sindra, and, and I just met, I just saw you today. And so today what I'm going to do is I'm going to do the rule of one. I'm going to say, you know what? I love the work you're doing. I could not do my work without you. And, and was, I'm so glad you're a part of my team. Then I leave you. I don't have to tell you that for another three or four weeks because you're going to just like, oh my God, the coach is really, you see what I'm saying? Absolutely. And, and, and then tomorrow, I'll pick another athlete and the next day I'll pick another athlete. And if I have a staff of coaches, we'll get all the coaches to do that. And we'll all be able to hit every one of these kids with these kind of comments. When I was in college, I was a C student. I, I'm not defining myself that way. I'm saying that's what the outcome on the scoreboard was. In my major, which was English literature, by the way. And I had an English teacher who came up to me one day after I wrote a paper. Mind you, I have all C's in my major. And he said to me, Mr. Lynch, you really can write. Awesome. Right? One right? Time, yeah. One person, me, one day. Yeah. Well, I, you still remember that now. Uh, yeah. 
Right. And, and, and I just finished my 13th book and, yeah. and I believe I can write, you know, so it's amazing what you can put into the, into the soul and the spirit and the heart of these young people by just making that one comment, because the power of your influence is so strong. It's never neutral. Your influence is like outrageously powerful. And, and so I use the rule of one to your point. How do I do this? That's an example. And there are more example. You know, There's the love example, L U V, right? That's how I L U V listen is L U is understand through questions. And V is to validate them when they give an answer that really makes sense. And it's in the direction that you want to bring them. So that's love. Oh, excellent. Yeah. You well, know, one thing. Blow the whistle when you see someone doing something right. See, the whistle has become this awful thing around the neck of a coach. And, and they blow the whistle when something's going wrong. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying, blow the whistle for two minutes every practice and just catch someone doing something right. Awesome, so powerful. Um, Jerry, one of the things I wanted to ask you about was failure. And I have lots of different tabs in your book right here. <laughs> Again, uh, first one I read was uh, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. And you have a chapter about fear of failure. And here's the part that I highlighted, okay? It says, feeling failure is shameful, creates unnecessary anxiety, tension, and pain. Failure cannot be avoided. The greatest of the great have failed at times, and so will you. When I think about what you're talking about, really, you know, with, with coaches and uh, your new book, Win the Day, how do you think that the best coaches, and maybe you could even describe athletes or performers, but how do you think that they approach failure? The athlete, the, the coaches that I work with will hire me because they want to get out of the trap, out of the box, out of black and white thinking. They want to think outside the box. And uh, that's why I get hired. So every, it's a setup for success for me all the time. So I know going in that these coaches want a new way of looking at outcome, performance, results, whether you're failing or succeeding even, because I have a whole thing about uh, uh, winning versus success. You know. John Wooden never talked about winning, never, but he talked about success. And so to your point, uh, when we're talking about these kind of things, I know that the coach is open and receptive and is willing to be vulnerable because this is who I am. And they know that by hiring Jerry, this is where we're going to go. You know, it's like if you hire Brene Brown, right. you know, you know, you're going to be talking about vulnerability. You just, yes, you are. <laughs> There's no way around it, right? And uh, so, uh, you know, you're going to be talking about failure when, you, when you're working with me and, and, and fear and all of that. So what I do is I, I, I educate the coaches. We do coaching clinics. We do coaching seminars. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I have coaches that call me once a week, all during their season. And uh, so I'm on the phone with the coach for an hour once a week. And the subject that you bring up comes up all the time. Absolutely. And, and basically what I'm trying to tell them is, you know, fear is the number one cause of all athletic problems. Hmm. That, that's it. The opposite of that for me is love. Hmm. Love is the greatest success strategy. 
but the opposite of that, when you, you can't, you can't simultaneously have love and fear going on at the same time. You can't think of the last time you were afraid. You're not at all close to the idea of love, which is giving and opening and sharing and being selfless and all of that. You're afraid. You're afraid you're not getting enough. You're afraid there isn't enough. You're afraid you're going to lose, look silly, let your team down, let your coach down, let your family down. You're afraid you're not going to make the team. You're, not, you're afraid you're not going to get enough minutes. You're afraid you're not going to win and all of that. So fear itself is the cause of all, not one or two, all athletic problems. So if, when, a, when a, an athlete comes to me, if they're bringing some kind of a problem, I know before we even talk that the umbrella is fear. It's fear-based. Because if it were love-based, there wouldn't be fear. And okay, so, so I know that fear is going to happen. And it's true in life as well. I mean, it, <laughs> sports is, is just a microcosmic classroom for all of life. And I love it for that reason. Everything that happens on a basketball court in 40 minutes, all those emotions happen in most people's lives within the span of four weeks, for sure. But anyway, um, I'm getting off track with that. Uh, so, so, so this idea of fear, Fear is an interesting word, and I don't know where I read this, but I'll pass it on to you. F-E-A-R is an acronym, too. And F-E-A-R stands for uh, false evidence appearing real. Yeah. And, yeah, you knew that. And mm, That's good. Uh, what, we, what, what, what these coaches need to know and, and, and what the athletes need to know is, like, when I'm coaching, if I'm feeling fear, you're going to pick it up unless I address it to myself. And when you feel it, you're going to have fear. And uh, so we look to a coach to not have that fear. And uh, fear will weaken you physically. It will weaken you emotionally. And it will weaken you spiritually. Hmm. The other thing I know about fear is this. I guarantee you, if someone has fear, it's all about results and outcomes. Right. All the time. Yeah. You know, I'm afraid going into the interview. Why? Because I might not get the job. And if I don't get the job, I'm not going to have enough money. I can't pay my bills. On and on and on. An athlete, the same thing. You know, I'm afraid to go into the game now. Why? Because I, I might be in a position where I can screw it up and, 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 and do things wrong and on and on and on. And, and it's always based on outcomes and results. So the beauty of that, knowing this, I train athletes and coaches to not focus on outcomes and results, to put the focus on what we can control. You can't control winning the game. That's an outcome. But you can control winning the day. Absolutely. And the way you win the day, we can specify, if I'm working with you, the 10 top ways that you can, uh, things that you can control, Syndra, which will help you to win the day. And when you go to bed at night, you look at that checklist and you say, I did everything on that checklist. I won the day or I did seven out of 10. And, and, and so the whole thing is it's all about outcomes and results. And, and I help coaches understand that outcomes and results, losing, failing are our biggest teachers, right? So how do we learn from that? Well, here's three questions. The three okay. questions are, after a loss, I'll always ask these questions. What went well? The second question is not went wrong because that's, that's reactive. We want a proactive question. So what needs work? Let's get specific. And the third question is the clincher. 
why are we a better team? Because we lost that game this weekend. Oh, that's good. We can figure that out. We can come back to making the improvement and the adjustments and we can have the confidence that every, every opportunity, every failure is an opportunity to learn and forge ahead and be better than we were before we went into this weekend. This is how I look at it. And I ask the question, do you want to feel free or do you want to feel fear? Free is love. It comes from your heart. Fear comes totally from your head, your ego. All about outcomes and results. Free is about winning the day. When I, when I focus on winning the day, I feel free. When I focus on having to nail the outcome or get that job or pass that test, I'm feeling tight, tense, and tentative. Absolutely. And when I feel tight, tense, and tentative, it's not pretty. <laughs> when I'm also thinking about those coaches who maybe, you know, the athlete fails, they miss a shot, they a foul when they aren't supposed to, right? And uh, maybe the, the coach has an outburst of anger. Yeah. You know, that's not necessarily coming from love. And then I think that creates more of a fear of failure in the athlete. Yeah. So what advice would you give to maybe the coaches or leaders who are listening who, you know, in terms of how they can come from a place of love instead of fear or outcome or uh, results oriented. Yeah, yeah. And there's no pill for that. And there's no secret sauce. Uh, yeah. The, the, the thing, the thing is it's practice. And, and I made a statement before and I really meant it. And uh, after, after 40 plus years of working in this area, if I tell you I'm only halfway there, the good news is, boy, there's a lot to learn. And it's so exciting and I'm going forward. But the other part of that is, God, this is going to be hard. So it's not easy. It's not going to come overnight. But right. if, you, if you desire, you have to have the desire and the passion and, and the interest to be able to say, I want to be a John Wooden. I want to, I want to be a Steve Kerr. My, my response to that is, you can be. You can superimpose your spirit, who you are as a person, and you can adapt and adopt those behaviors that Steve has learned from Phil Jackson, one of his mentors. I actually goes back to, to Lou Olson at the University of Arizona. It goes back to his father, who he admired. It goes back to uh, uh, Greg Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs. Sure. It goes back to all this. I have played a, a, a small role in that as well. And that's why we have this consultancy. And, and the thing is, it's all about learning and desire to be, to be uh, a championship level coach and, and to win the relationship game. And there are strategies, tools, and ways to do that. And that's why I'm so excited about this book again is because I know it'll make that change and that difference in, in your life. It's life changing. And I think we all, honestly, Sindra, I think, I believe we all crave to be that coach, but our fear stands in the way because we're, sure. we're afraid of this thing called love. Sure. Absolutely. Well, Especially in sports, right? Like I'm just a love the athletes that I coach, right? Yeah, and, for and, sure. And that means, that means I can't get in their face and that means I can't tell them what to do and that, no, 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 no. Steve Kerr still gets upset. Phil Jackson would yell at his guys. Look, it's not usually exclusive. You can love your team and you can still be demanding. 
Hmm. And you can still be pesty and get in their face and demand something. And what's interesting is when I demand from my kids literally at home, it's only because I love them and I want the best for them. So I'm going to demand that they do that. And at first they might resist, but later on they'll realize, you know what? That really makes sense. Now that, now that one of them's 35, all of a sudden I became brilliant. Yeah. Right. It's like, Jenny, I've been here since the time you were born. <laughs> For 34 years, I was, I, I know nothing, but now all of a sudden, you know, so, so, so the whole, the whole ball of wax comes down to, I want to be the best coach I can be. It's going to require you to be vulnerable. It's going to require you to open up and admit that you're wrong. It's going to require that you, you invite people to keep holes in, in, in what you're doing and not be afraid of losing control. Again, that's the fear thing. So many coaches are afraid of losing control. But the irony of it is, is if you're that kind of boss, if you're that kind of pusher and enforcer, you will lose control. You know, as the Buddhists often refer to the cows, if you want to control the cows, the story yes. is move the fences back. Give them more space with certain boundaries. You don't want to run wild. Right. So coaches, coaches, listen. You can show love and demonstrate caring. You can establish connection while at the same time you can be demanding and expect things from them. And you can get in their face with love and say, you know what? I love you too much to let you go right now. You've got to do this for me. Yeah, love it, love it. Yeah. Jerry, there, there's so much more we can talk about. I, first of all, I'm grateful for your time. I'm grateful just for your, for your presence. I think you inspired me today to, to lead a lot more with love. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate just the way that you are. And what I mean by that is I can, I can see that you're coming from a sense of gratitude and love and that you do your work from this place. So I'm grateful for everything that you've contributed to our field and I'm grateful for your book right here, Thinking Body, Dancing Mind. And I'm going to go pick up Win the Day. It sounds awesome. Tell us how we can reach out to you. Let's say we want to follow you. I know you have so many different resources, 13 books now, and you have different videos and podcasts on your website, wayofchampions.com. Is that the best way? Yeah, I think so. And email is, uh, you know, wayofchampions at gmail. Uh, that's the best way. I give you a phone number, but I never answer it. Uh, my office assistant will answer it probably, but uh, I, I can't. I can't spend a lot of time on the phone, but I can shoot Absolutely. off an email or something like Perfect. that. Perfect. And I always get back to people. And yeah, I, I people don't understand this. You know, uh, I I just I just know that uh, that most people out there that are listening to what you're if they're tuning into your program, they want this, right? Yes. I mean, you don't, you don't, there are certain people that we know of in this world that will not listen to you. Sure. Maybe. So, yep. For so, sure. So, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And, and, but the people that do need to know that we're all in this together. Mm. You know, I might have these books and I might have these hundreds of championship teams and I might have all that, but we're on the same path and we all crave the same thing. And we all want, we all want love in our life. We all want to be, and this is how I'm defining love. We all want to be respected, uh, revered, relevant, important, valued, and empowered. We want to feel that way. And when we feel that way, 
our game goes to another level. If mm. a coach out there that's listening to you and they don't grok that, then they need to talk to me because they're confused. That's all it is. They're just confused. And uh, I'll help them understand that they crave that. And they'll say, God, I do. How'd you know that? Because we're human beings. Yes. And that's, that's, my, that's my whole point. Thank you, Jerry. Is there any kind of final advice or thoughts you have as we wrap up today? Win the day. Win the day. Win the day. Yeah, and that's controllable. And uh, it's within your power. And as, Steve, as Steph Curry would say, all of it is a choice. If you're not choosing it, you're choosing against it. If you're choosing for it, it'll change your life. And so, yeah, win the day. And uh, let's do this again sometime because we, we just touched the tip of the iceberg. I know. I think so. And I have so many other questions I could have asked you. So we will have Jerry back on. You know what I would love to hear is like what questions people have for when we have you on uh, next time. So we can do, that. We can do a Q&A. Yes. We, we could do 20, 25 minutes of Q&A. You know, we could just interrupt what we're saying and then say, okay, so here's some questions from... Uh, uh, someone from Syasset, New York, you know, or here's someone from Bonstable, Cape Cod, or his, you know, and, and I'll address those questions. But as I began this session with you, I just don't want to know what the questions are, because in order for me to come from my heart, I need to spontaneously respond to how I'm feeling about those questions. And that's what we'll do. So let's, let's do awesome. that. Awesome. Okay, perfect. So you can send the questions to wayofchampions at gmail.com. That's Jerry's email. And I am at Sindra at sindracampoff.com. Would love to hear from you. I'm also on Twitter at mentally underscore strong. So if you want to send a question there, I will have Jerry back on. So Jerry, I'm grateful for your time. I loved the rule of one. I loved your acronym for, for LUV. And then your acronym for river, I thought was really sticky. And just the idea of winning the day is, is really about the relationship game. That's something else you talked about today that was really powerful. So thank you again so much for your time. Let me echo your, your wonderful, kind words to me. I'm in this for people like you too. And, and, and I know that when I'm talking with someone like you, that it brings out the best of me. So I think we were kind of bouncing off each other here. And, and I really, really appreciate uh, and value the opportunity to share what I've been learning all these years of my life with others. So thank you so much for all the great work you're doing too. Thank you, Jerry. We'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to High Performance Mindset. If you like today's podcast, make a comment, share it with a friend, and join the conversation on Twitter at mentally underscore strong. For more inspiration and to receive Syndra's free weekly videos, check out drsyndra.com.